it's time once again for Sports Sidebar, covering sports for Northeast Ohio and sometimes even a little outside that area. Sports Sidebar, where we prove that a little knowledge is dangerous, but even less knowledge makes it a little easier to fill an hour. Now on to our hosts, Captain Bill and Dave. And good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. It is a good Tuesday afternoon. Uh, especially fun one for me, especially special uh, sidebar for me. Of course, uh, Captain Bill is out on an assignment, and we will miss, we will miss his uh, his keen insight into the uh, sports and labor and all the fun things, but he will be back again next week, so we will only miss it for yet one more week. Uh, I have a couple of special guests that really, uh, are really exciting for me to bring on. Uh, before we get to the guests, uh, the first one, uh, we got a, a bit, a bit of an article here on uh, Odell Beckham Jr. says thanks to Cleveland Browns and fans and written goodbye to City, and this comes out of uh, the Beacon Journal from Marla Ridenauer. Former Browns receiver Odell Beckham Jr. was not asked about his dramatic departure from Cleveland in his introductory press conference with the Los Angeles Rams on Saturday. But hours later, Beckham penned a handwritten thank you note to Believe Land, in which mentioned his coaches and teammates, including close friend Jarvis Landry, co-owners Jimmy and Dee Haslam, the entire front office, and support staff and devoted fans. To his teammates, he wrote, Y'all boys are four lifers with me. Man, uh, mean that from my soul. To the fans, he said, through the ups and downs, injuries and rehab, I am forever grateful to have played in front of some of the greatest fans ever. Dog pound, I thank you for your embracing me and showing me so much love. A passage including a message to Landry, my brother Juice, whom he met when he was 16 and played with at Louisiana State University. We have been blessed to have played together at the highest levels. Beckham wrote to Landry, Thank you for always pushing me to be the best man and player that I can be. You're truly a gift from God. Beckham concluded, I know God's plan never fails with love and gratitude. O.B.J. Okay, um... (laughs) It's not what you expect from OBJ. Uh, Interesting to hear. It is indeed interesting to hear. Uh, We're going to have a very special football talk today, two of them. And uh, first up, uh, we'll begin talking about the college football, Ohio State, uh, Cincinnati, a whole state of of, of college football and the upcoming playoffs. And uh, we, we touched on a lot of things. Uh, so here we are with guest number one, <laughs> believe it or not. Yes, it's Mr. Mr. Dave Binkley. And right now I've got, uh, Dave Binkley on the phone here and, uh, number one son. And, uh, I brought my sons on today, not only because Captain Bill is near, but they follow certain things a whole lot closer than I do. And certainly being a graduate, a graduate of, uh, Ohio State University, I'm sorry, the Ohio State University. Uh, 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 we take a look at a couple things there first with there and then with Cincinnati, which has uh, certainly some Ohio State ties with it. 
So I guess we'll start off with Ohio State. Uh, a big, a big win. What twenty eight points Saturday? Yeah, it was uh, fifty nine to thirty one over Purdue, and and as uh, Coach Brown and Purdue said, he's lucky he held him to only fifty nine. So we'll wait and see uh, how that is uh, taken up in the polls. Was it Tuesday night when the new uh, AP polls come out? I believe so. Yeah. So and and. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see because you think of, of, of what they talk about as style points. I hate the term, but the style points. The first half, you know, they took put up, what, 45 points in the first half? I'm looking it up right now. 45 points in the first half. Huh. You know, so when you think about running up the score, things like that, style points, they're like, hey, we put up 45 points in the first half against a team that was ranked, what? They were like top 25. They were ranked, what, 19 okay. before Purdue was. So... Is that what know, st- is that what style points means? How bad they beat up on their opponent? Yeah, that's really what it comes down to when you have you know human individuals picking the the, the rankings. Um, you know they, they take the term style points and saying how do they dominate the eye test? So you know something like uh, who was it the other day? Um, was it Florida that didn't do too well? Yeah. They, they, that was a rough game. You know, they still won by 20 points, but, you know, it was like 73 to 50 or something like that. It was just ridiculous for a college football game. But, you know, the the FCS team or FBS team was really right there with them the whole way until, like, the third quarter. So, I mean, they, they put a stopping on them, but it didn't look good. You know, high points are nice. But this one, you know, into the first half, Ohio State was up uh, 45 to 17. You know, so uh, when you think about it that way, like their first string dominated so much that, you know, you you do send the guys back out to the third quarter, but you're going to change your game plan a little bit. I would say just to help protect your own players (laughs) and not put them at risk because it's still, you still got a lot of weeks left in the season. Right. And now with playoffs, you have an extra, at least an extra, uh, a couple of games before the, uh, at least a couple of games uh, into the championship. So. Yeah, the Big Ten Championship, I know a couple of years ago, that was huge um, when the Big Ten went that way and added that extra game. And, and I don't know, I, I, I struggle with, with the way the, the rankings go because, you know, you're not supposed to take the championship games into consideration, <laughs> but they do. Because the, it's a game they play, it's, it's something they see. So by adding that extra game, it has helped the Buckeyes in the past, and I'm sure it'll help them again this time if they're borderline that 4-5 or five position. Yeah, because... Uh, uh, it just—it's it, the last game of of the season for that division, so how can you how can you ignore it? Yeah, and it's supposed to be the best of the East versus the best of the West in the Big Ten. So you're you're hopefully paying, playing the second best team in your conference that weekend, and you know it, it can it can make it break you. And that's how it is in a lot of these games. I mean, all the conferences. Um, you know, when it comes to that final rankings. Now, if Alabama were to lose there, they'd have two losses. Would they be out of the top four? I think it would be this year. I would say yes. Some years, no. But this year, with the, how close everything is, you know, with the conversation of you know University of Cincinnati, um, you know, I'm looking at the polls. See if I can pull them up real quick. Let me pull those up real quick. Um, yeah, that's what that's what happens when when you don't need it is there. Yeah. <laughs> And what I did pull up was the basketball stadium, since those just started. Yeah, I know. I started I, I, <laughs> when I started pull for a uh, OSU score. What it threw me was the basketball score. Wait a minute here. Nah. Yeah, I'm like, 
I'm like, when do they play on Thursday night? Um, <laughs> so that was this. It was this week. I'm like, they're playing Thursday night, but they were playing Niagara for the basketball team. So it, yeah. it was interesting. But you know, there's a lot of those teams right there. You know, you have Georgia's a clear cut number one. Then in the current rankings for this week, um, try and see what comes up real quick. <laughs> All right, Alabama's number two. Right. In the, eight, in the AP poll that just came out today, Georgia's number one with all the number one votes. Alabama's number two. Cincinnati is three, so Alabama jumped them this week. Oregon's four, and then Ohio State is five with Notre Dame being six. Um, you know, so, and you go to the coaches' poll, it, it almost mirrors it except Ohio State, um, and Oregon are switched. So Ohio State's number four in the AFCA coaches poll, where they're number five in the top five, 25 Bay people, which I think just comes down to the fact that Oregon beat Ohio State earlier in the season in what was not a good game for Ohio State at all, at home. Yeah. And uh, what really matters is the, the, the college playoff uh, poll, though, which comes out Tuesday yeah. night. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I, I still, it's, I still wonder how that's going to go, um, just because of the individuals. And they, and they did put a, they did seem in their first round that they did put a, a nice little caveat. I guess they would say that, you know, victories over an opponent meant more than records, because you know, when you think of Notre Dame versus Cincinnati, or at that time it was uh, Michigan State over Michigan. You know, they had. The winner of those games were higher up in those polls. Same thing for Oregon versus Ohio State. Oregon was higher in those initial polls because they had beaten Ohio State. Right. Now I think as the season goes on, you're going to see a little more disparity in the schedules. I, I think that's going to kind of level itself off. Now, is is it next year that they start the extra a tier of playoffs, or is it in the 2022? I think I think it's next year. Yeah, they haven't really solidified it. They were talking about it for a while, so they could sneak it in this year. But I think for next, right now, I'd say that it's going to be next year. I think they're having a lot of other issues they need to worry about and maybe get under control before they figure out how to make that extra money by basically doubling the size of the playoffs. Well, that makes these games more important and more uh, more watchable, and and so some of these insignificant bowls will become part of the playoff system. And I think that would be nice, um, you know, for the true college football fan, because they're, they're going to get some better, they're going to get highlighted more. I think when you think about some of these, um, you know, these borderline teams, you know, think about right now, if you go top eight right now, you have Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Georgia at the top, you know. Coming a couple of weeks, Oklahoma State's been struggling a little bit. Ole Miss just beat—I um, forget who they just beat, but they just beat someone pretty handily. Yeah, Auburn. They beat Auburn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, which was a huge surprise um, to many. So, you know, they're going to get these lot more bubble teams that are going to have a chance, and that underdog mentality. Sometimes when you have nothing to lose, you know, you you, you try a little bit harder, and sometimes things go your way. Well, and they just, they're going to have an opportunity that they wouldn't have. Let's face it, since this whole college playoff uh, system started, how many different teams or how many of the same teams have been in it basically year after year? 
I think Alabama's been in it just about every year, at least in the top four. But I, that, may, that may be incorrect. But I know Alabama's always in the conversation. Ohio State's always been in the conversation. Right. Until this year, what, Clemson's been in it for most years, or at least in the conversation. So you tend to have, you know, your same four or five people, and that could be, you know, the eye test, the way the voting goes, um, you know. But you do look at the top talent. If you go based on talent on rosters – you're going to have the same people always show up, and they're going to be the groups that have the you know the best recruiting classes year after year. You know, you're going to have Georgia, which continually has the top five recruiting, Alabama, Ohio State. Yeah. You know, even Notre Dame's in the top ten normally, if not higher, um, just because of who they are as an independent. Um, so I think it's really hard when you think about, you know, who are you going to put in there if you go based on talent. You can probably say who the top four are going to be before you even play the first snap of the season. Yeah, yeah. It, it just you know so so we're going to see more of an opportunity. You think it should be? I, mean, I thought they decided on twelve teams. Should it be twelve teams? Well, twelve teams that would do what twelve, and then you'd have what six? Twelve, six. So you'd, so, so you'd have to have a buy, uh, like what the first seeds would have to be by the first week. So then you'd have six, then you'd have eight the second where. 10, 5, yeah, you'd have to have a buy in there for someone, but um, I don't know, I, 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 I don't know, it kind of reminds me of high school football this year when the OHSAA kind of went to the top 16 teams in each uh, region, yeah. um, made it, and you know, it was nice that some teams made the playoffs for the first time ever in their school history, but then also you had a team, you know, I know in our current region that was, uh, what was it, 1 and 9? Going against an undefeated ten and zero team. Wait, wait, a one and nine team went to the high school playoffs. Well, and I'm just speaking from from my own knowledge here in Northeast Ohio, it's Division One, Region One. Um, you know, the top sixteen teams went. There's only seventeen teams in the in the region. You know, it's one <laughs> of the, so the only team that didn't make it was the only team not to win a game. So I think you end up having it was either Medina or it was uh, like Ignatius, I believe, or Medina facing. Um, I think it might have been Shaker or something like that, who had only won one game. So you had a 1-19 playing a 10-0 team. And it, it did exactly what you thought it would be, you know. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the college playoffs or college, um, you know, the non-conference games when you have Ohio State versus Akron, you know. Yeah. You're hoping to give them a little bit of competition, but you hope nobody gets hurt at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a great experience for some of those players being on that stage. You know, like some of those players will never make it to normally a playoff game, so it's a great experience for them. Like kids who play at University of Akron, Kent State, or any of the MAC teams that go down to the horseshoe and able to play on that kind of stage with that kind of crowd. Yeah. You know, it's an unbelievable feeling. Um, but then when you're all said and done, you just hope nobody gets hurt um, so everybody can play again the next week. Yeah. And uh, one thing that we've talked about, it's been in the mix there. We talked about uh, Cincinnati, and uh, Cincinnati certainly has turned their program around, the Lou Fickle. And uh, what was the uh, – kind of explain uh, about his role in Ohio State. I'm a big uh, Coach Fickle fan. Uh, back from when I was at Ohio State, he was uh, on, on the coaching staff um, from, from there. He was a player there as well. Um, and um, with the unfortunate uh, situation with Coach Trestle, you know, uh, then Luke, uh, Coach Coach Fickle, actually took up the mantle. He was the interim coach for that year, that year that they struggled. Right. Um, 
And then, then uh, you know, Coach Meyer came in and, you know, did what he did. And uh, Coach Fickle stayed on the sidelines for a while until he got the right opportunity. He had had a lot of offers over the years. But he waited for the right opportunity. And Cincinnati provided itself to be a, a good opportunity for him. One, it was kind of like a homecoming for him. Um, and this is just uh, from, from, from looking things up and just knowing about him over the years and, and watching him grow as a coach. Um, he's from the Cincinnati area. So it was kind of a homecoming for him to go back to Cincinnati and, and you know, somewhere he was familiar with because he went to St. Francis de Sales. I just look it up right now. So, um, okay. So he's from the Cincinnati area. You know, they have some really good, he's a big family person. You know, I think they have, what, four kids? Between him and his wife have four kids. So, um, you know, so family is really important to him. Good education is really important to his family. Uh, his kids are, are, are in some uh, private schools down in the area. And, you know, he was able to go in, was given pretty much, uh, you know, car blanche to do what he wanted. He brought in uh, Marcus Freeman, um, who was one of his players at Ohio State University, to be his defensive coordinator. And they hit the ground running with a lot of local talent. And I think that's something that, um, you know, Ohio State used to do. You know, back in the days of Cooper and and Trestle was huge with this, was like, you get the best players from your state. And right now, uh, Coach Fickle is really hitting the local players hard. And now he's down by Cincinnati, so he has a good little bit of a, you have Kentucky around there, West Virginia. you got a good, you know, region that you can go through and get some good local talent and hopefully develop them over time. And uh, they probably don't stand much of a chance making it into the college playoff this year, but next year they continue what they're doing. I do. I do. I think next year would be a better year for them just because of the expansion. Um, but I think, you know, when you talk about the ceiling of Cincinnati, I think they're, they're pretty much at their ceiling right now. Um, and I'm sure you've heard that if you've listened to any other sports talk radio. I, I, kind of, I kind of agree with that statement that just because they're in the you know athletic conference um, and they're kind of stagnant with the competition they're playing and how come they've kind of struggled at times with some of that competition, even though they've come out on top. Um, but I think in two years, 2023, they joined the Big 12. So that's going to be an interesting uh, shift for them because they're going to be playing you know, a, a lot bigger teams. Because um, you look at what the Big 12 has this year, you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State. You know, those are two, you know, generally ranked, um, you know, teams or four generally ranked teams um, that they'll be facing in a couple of years, which will help give them some clout. You know, that conference also has Texas in it. Texas Tech. So they're going to have some marquee uh, games. They're going to have some primetime, possibly, or at least some highlighted games on television. They're not going to be, you know, sidelined to ESPNU or, you know, ESPN3, where nobody's really going to be able to chance to see them. So I think that's why this year they're they're kind of at their ceiling just because their visibility and who they're playing. Because if it wasn't for that Notre Dame game, I I think that they would be a lot lower in the rankings this year. Is Notre Dame that good? They usually aren't. Uh, They're 9-1 this year. Um, But, you know, um, Cincinnati beat them this year um, in uh, South Bend. So... Um, but also, with another, it was a really interesting game because uh, Marcus Freeman, Coach Freeman, who was the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati, left at the end of last year and became the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame this year. So, um, you know, there's a nice little extra little rivalry there between Coach Fickle and uh, 
Coach Friedman, along with just the marquee game of going up against Notre Dame. Yeah. We're talking a little bit uh, before uh, the conversation here about uh, why Michigan State has made the leap it's made lately. Well, I, I think, you know, we need to talk about they had a new coach last year, Mel Tucker. He's there in year two. Uh, you know, you're always going to have generally some type of a interesting transition point uh, when you become a new coach. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing now is the transfer portal. Um, the transfer portal allows kids to kind of move around now where, where they can get the best playing opportunities for themselves. Um, so those who are, you know, a little frustrated or kind of, uh, you know, back in the, you know, five, six, seven deep in their room, um, you know, like the quarterback room or the running back room, um, they can try to go somewhere else and become an impact for another team. Um, and, but what something Mel Tucker, or Coach Tucker has done this year, I would say up in Michigan State, is he's really gone after some of your top um, co- junior college players. Um, because you really have to, if you can't recruit players yourself, you're going to have to go after other team players, basically. Well, you can't tamper, but if they put their name in the portal, you can reach out and you can kind of think about, you know, so is this kid that's put, just put his name in the portal here, is he better than the kid that's on our team right now that's starting? Um, and then you can go anywhere from, you know, you know, all the divisions, you know, your junior college. That's something that he kind of went after this year was junior college. Um, had a couple key key additions from from that realm, and then hopefully with the success he's had this year, he might be able to fill in some other holes um, either by recruiting, which is hard to do when you're in the Big Ten, just because of all the other teams there, especially with Michigan, Ohio State, um, you know, any team in the Big Ten. You got Notre Dame right there competing for the same players as well at a national stage. Yeah. So you really like if you're going to be like a Michigan State, you're probably going to want to look at those uh, transfer portal names and. Really evaluate that talent versus what you have um, to see if, if it's if it's going to be an upgrade or not. So looking ahead to Ohio State, back to Ohio State, we have uh, we have what Michigan State and Michigan left. So you have yeah we have um, look at their schedule real quick. And I, I mean uh, Michigan State and the team up north. Yeah, the, the team up north. Um, <laughs> so we do have. Um, those two teams left. I'm trying to figure out what their rest of their schedule is. Here we go. Um, so we yeah we just have uh, Michigan State on the 20th, and then you have um, the team up north on the 27th. So then you have the Big Ten Championship the week afterwards, the first week in December. So and that's yep. played in Indianapolis. And we're sitting at least at the current time we're sitting there able to to uh, look into that the Big Ten Championship game? Yeah, right now we're 7-0 and in the conference. Um, Michigan and Michigan State are both sitting at 6-1. and um, You know, Michigan State beat Michigan. Um, and uh, Michigan State, um, you know, lost. I forget who they, who they lost to. Um, but they lost to, let's see. They lost to Purdue. Okay, so, so the teams at Ohio State beat by 28 points. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show you how random. And then Rutgers even has two wins this year in the Big Ten. Um, you know, they beat um, well, they beat Indiana and they beat, um, let's see, well, it's not showing up on my screen. But, you know, they beat two teams this year. They normally, you know, kind of do that and kind of get by in the bottom of the Big Ten. Um 
but yeah, really, you have Michigan State leading them and the, the, the East teams. Um, but if you look in the West teams, um, if you go conference record, there's two teams vying for the lead spot, which is Wisconsin and Iowa. But if you look at their overall record, um, Iowa's eight and two, where Wisconsin's seven and three. So, you know, if, and looking at Iowa and Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin beat Iowa just a couple weeks ago, uh, twenty-seven to seven. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how you know those two teams battle out because they both have two games left, um, and Wisconsin doesn't play any ranked opponents and. Uh, neither does um, Iowa. You know, they both play uh, Nebraska, and then um, Illinois is going to face Iowa, and Wisconsin is going to face um, Minnesota. So they're both playing non-ranked teams and two teams that aren't doing, um, you know, too great this year. So it'll be interesting. There might be a split where they're going to have to go to, you know, their tiebreakers, which I don't know what the tiebreaker is in the Big Ten anymore. It seems like they change every so often. Yeah. yeah. And I guess my last question I have about this is that uh, when the Big Ten expanded and went to an East and West, and Ohio State and, and Michigan were, were in the same division, or, uh, I'm sorry, Ohio State and that team up north uh, were in the same division, that forever took away the spot of them playing each other for necessarily a, a playoff spot. Yeah, and that was something that I remember. I think I was in school at that time when they did that, when they expanded, or I was just recently graduated from them when that happened, and that was a big conversation of how they were going to divide the, the schools. Um, because was were they going to try to preserve the the rivalries? Were they going to go regionally? Were they going to, you know, go for what would probably bring the the, the best. Um, games week in week week out um for, for the television and for for some of the other uh financial uh, implications that can come from that and i think they ended up just going by region is why it looked like this was by east and west so um it really does take that away because you're going to have ohio versus michigan as your you know typically your last game of the season is your rivalry game so you're never going to play back-to-back games um, because they're in your conference. Right. You know, you're, you're in your division. So, you know, even if, if it is like, let's say hypothetically that Ohio State's number one and Michigan's number two, well, Ohio State's going to beat them that last week, and then that's going to knock them out of the top four, and they're not going to make it in the playoffs because they don't have that championship game, that other eye test that the, um, you know, the voters will, would be able to see. They say, well, they... Ohio State just beat them, so why would they vote them in for you know one of the playoff games? Because you already know that they're going to lose to that team. But that could all change if we go when we go to a twelve-team playoff. You could if it goes twelve teams. That's that's a lot of games. That's going to be a lot of extra play. Uh, a lot of extra teams and a couple extra, um, you know, possible rivalry games in that setting. Um, and I wonder, like, if you think over the last couple of years, when you think of like the twos and the threes and the fours. Um, in some of those rankings, like sometimes you think that they kind of play those numbers so they can get good mark mar- matchups, you know, not necessarily like I remember, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I remember like they try to pin, you know, a, a better two and a three or a three and a four. They kind of switch them around to say, we're going to have a really good game one week and then, a you know, the other game's going to be okay. 
kind of already know who's going to win. And then what would be the best championship game? You know, I hope they're not doing that because they're voting on these teams. Um, but when you think about it, would you, would you want to set yourself up to have the best championship game possible? Or do you want a good, you know, semifinal game? You know, do you want your two best teams facing each other in the first week of the playoffs? Um, and then when you get to this, the actual finals, a championship game, having the, those, uh, the team that you expected to be there and the other team like, all right, well, this is not even going to be worth tuning into. Yeah. And, and, and having extra games could change a lot of that as well. So. Yeah, because uh, if you're going top 12 right now, and I'm just looking at the AP, you're adding teams there like Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Baylor, and Oklahoma. So you're looking at, what, one, two, three Big Ten teams? No. Well, um, yeah, with Ohio State there, it's four. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, you got Oklahoma, Baylor, um, Oklahoma State. You know, you got a lot of teams in there now that are going to be like conference games. And you're going to have, you know, a, a little bit of interesting uh, play on it because you'd have a team like right now Baylor's kind of on a win streak. Um, they won seven in a row, um, and they played pretty well this week in, in um, beating whoever they, they beat. They just uh, beat, um, but, you know, it would be like Baylor versus Alabama, you know, Ole Miss versus Cincinnati, Oregon versus Oklahoma State. Um, you're looking at Ohio State versus Notre Dame, um, if that's what it would be. Yeah. Um, right now, so I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they, they they when they bring it branch it out to how how many teams are there going to be any buys, um, and also I wonder if that just means that they're going to make the college um, bowl season earlier because when you think about it, you know, they generally what the season ends the first week of December and then well then it doesn't pick up till the end of December, right? Yeah, you got a couple weeks at the end of December, and then you have like the week after New Year's is the championship game. Right. So, yeah, you'll have to start. Go. You'll have to start it earlier in 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 December. I mean, usually by what the second week, the the colleges are are done anyway. And so, so I think you're going to be looking at if that does happen, you're going to get your your championship your your conference championship games, and then a bye week, and then you're going to start your playoffs. So it could end up to be your. Well, your New Year's semifinals, and then you yeah, have your finals the week after. And it's that way in every other division of football. The you know we're the only ones that really didn't have, and in a sense, there's only four teams, and pretty much you know maybe five teams that are really generally there. You know that was that was the the playoffs where this will give you a lot more people opportunity, whether they make it or not, is is not the question. The fact is, they they made the playoffs and they get a chance to they get a chance to move forward. And, and that's, you know, for some of them, it's going to be a, a new stage that some of them will have to get used to. Um, and also some of them will be, it be you know, it could be game-changing for some universities. I'm looking at right now, because you have the uh, FCA coaches poll. Number 12 is Wake Forest right now over Baylor. So could you imagine a Wake Forest getting national television? Yeah, um, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then thinking about how that does, the guy from, uh, the coach from Georgia, um, I forget uh, who the coach of Georgia is right now, but I remember him saying in an interview one time that, you know, championships brings recruits, but player development brings championships. So, 
you know, getting the national television, getting some, you know, screen time could be a whole, like, version of a championship for a Wake Forest. And just think of the different players that will see them and say, hey, I could play at that school. That looks like a good team. They have a, they have a good coach. They have a program going in the right direction. And all of a sudden you get this random kid, you know, from from some random state. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to start getting more three stars, more four star recruits. And then you could really start building your program by just having one game on the national stage. Wow. Yeah, well, and, and it does. I mean, uh, I mean, when you think of it, even in the form of, uh, of, of, of basketball, Gonzaga sneaking in as a Cinderella team. Then they made it again the next year. Pretty soon they weren't the Cinderella anymore because players say hey i'll get a chance to go to the big dance if i go to gonzaga and that that truly helped their recruiting yeah and then it's a matter of maintaining it and 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 realizing the limits of your program as well you know that's one of the things that with coach fickle that it's going to be interesting to see because you know his name keeps popping up in the usc job that's open so will he want to uproot his family and go out west i i honestly don't think so um, I don't even think how much money they could offer him that he would take it. I think he's pretty happy where he's at, and he has a, a program that's that's overperforming, but he's continually now getting some better some, – some not better workers, but some new recruits that are higher ranked, um, you know, in the polls and with stars, and he can develop them and, you know, always be competitive in where he's at, and it's going to be interesting to see when they make the transition to the Big 12. You know, has there, is, are they truly at their ceiling, or can they grow even more? Because I think right now their ceiling is just determined by, you know, their conference and what non-conference games they can pick up, like Notre Dame. So right. I think it would be really interesting to see that because um, I was watching the game this weekend and or the last week because they had a weeknight game, and the announcer even said, you know, there's three or four guys on the defensive side that if they choose to go to the draft this year, they could be first round or early second round draft picks playing for Cincinnati. Wow, and that that how often have we ever heard that? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that you get you get a couple players drafted early too. That gets opens up some eyes. You're going to get some other players. So like instead of just having to recruit locally and hopefully getting you know a couple good two solid two solid three star players you can develop, you're going to have a kid from Florida, a kid from Texas or California that's going to be like, hey, you know, I like what kind of scheme they're running over there in Cincinnati. You know, they're going to have a they have a good solid coach who has a good platform, a good program. Um, and they, they know who they are, they know what they're going to do, and I can fit the mold of what they want, of what they're doing, and I can, I can benefit this team. Fantastic. Well, uh, I want to thank you for uh, being available for this call. I know I've learned a lot, and i sure our listeners have, and uh, I'm not going to let Bill hear this because he'll be wanting you to take over my spot. So, uh, so I'll just thank you for <laughs> being available for the call-in and to help out this week. It's uh, been a, a fun time, and it's been uh, and it's been educational at the same time. Well, I, I appreciate it. It's not, you know, not too often I can actually talk about uh, football in my house, so I really enjoy it. I miss I miss the coaching, but you know, you know, coaching high school for nine years and middle school for three years. You know, uh, you know, you really enjoy it. You get to have the conversations, and when you can kind of take a step out of the box and really talk about the true X's and O's and the scenarios, it's it's fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. We'll get you back again sometime. But for now, thanks for thanks for calling in. That's right. That was uh, son Dave Binkley joining me here on Sports Sidebar, and it was just you know it's tough sometimes to do this 
when your kids know more about the subject you're talking about than you know. So I always try to learn as much as I can from the two of them. That's right, I said two of them, because coming up next, I have my other son, Bobby Binkley, and he'll be on as well. Uh, we're going to be talking not about college football, but about the state of uh, the NFL, the lousy game the, the Browns played, the uh, state of the NFL, the different divisions and the toughness of what's going on, just a, a, an overall overlook of the NFL. So uh, it went from uh, Dave Binkley to Bobby Binkley, and so let's jump right into it right here. And now I have the distinct pleasure of bringing in son number two, and he has the harder job of the two. We get to talk about the Cleveland Browns game from Sunday. Oh, it wasn't much of a game. It <laughs> wasn't much of a game. It wasn't much of a competition, it seemed. Uh, no, no, it, it actually, uh, it actually did not look good after about the, you know, the the first four minutes of the game were nice, and then the rest was not. Yep, and uh, again, they seemed to change your playing. Although, you know, with with our top two running backs out. Yeah, the other guy that came in and he got 90 yards rushing and still another, what, almost 40 yards uh, pass reception. Oh, yeah. Uh, Johnson, he had uh, 19 carries for 99 yards. Yeah. And he had seven catches for 58 yards. 58. Uh, you know, so. so why, again, lots of questions. I mean, there's this game leaves so many more questions. I mean, we went the week before and they were – they were uh, seemed like they could do no wrong, and then it seemed like in this game they could do no right after that first series. Yeah. And and I know that Belichick is always on, but you know you kind of you've been talking about it to me all year long, where they've been this this Jekyll and Hyde team. And when I talked to you about Belichick saying he always finds a way to beat us, and I think your last line to me on that conversation was, "It depends on which team is going to show up." Yes, that's that, that's the number one team. The, the number one thing you do not, you don't know what team you're going to get week in and week out. This week, last week it came. They they came in. They were very emotional about the whole OBJ thing that happened the week before. They were Baker was playing high on emotion, and then they come in this week and Blaker, uh, Baker leaves the game in the third quarter due to injury. Um, I think they were ready to just pull him anyways. I think they, yeah, because I think they said he was, uh, the, he yeah. wanted to go back in, but uh, uh, Stefanski yeah, said no. Yeah, they took, it, they took his helmet away from him, so he couldn't go back in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really weird. It's, it's one one week you get a really good team that, that looks like they could be uh, a deep run playoff contender, and then you, the next week you get a, team that looks like the same Browns for the last 20 years. So what So what about Joe Woods? Well, 45 unanswered points today. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they scored on the very first drive. Of the Browns scored on the very first drive of the game. Never scored again. So I blame that on the offense. But the defensive side, uh, I just they don't blitz. They, they sit back, and Joe Woods, I, I know they get a lot of pressure. They got Clowney and Garrett, and Garrett, who's having a great year. Um, 
gets another sack today, but that's the only play he made the whole game. Uh, except he, for he that. Had, he had that, one tackle, yeah. one sack. And one batted down pass, yeah. Yeah. Um, Clowney looks like he's getting good pressure off of the edge, but then he only had two tackles. Um, there were multiple times where both of them were off of the field at the same time. Um, it, it just looks like they, 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 a lot of these defensive guys are on one-year contracts making decent money that they kind of put this whole thing together. Um, they, they drafted defensively in the draft, and still it's just more questions than answers. I mean, it seems like almost sometimes our defense was better last year with a lot of the extra help that we went and got. And I know it wasn't good last year, but there were some times. I mean, we had so many injuries last year, too, and it just seemed like somebody else would step up and try and, and keep it and push it. And they, the defense had to be a part of that because you, without the, offense fills the, the stands and, and defense wins games. Yes. A defense isn't going to win you any games when they give up 45 points. No. I don't care what no. team you are. Yes. Uh, and that was I an mean, anomaly the Patriots, because... The Patriots took Mac Jones out of the game, brought in Brian Hoyer, and he went three for three for 85 yards. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, uh, on a side note, uh, uh, Colt McCoy came in the game uh, for... The uh, Cardinals today, too. Not Cardinals, uh, won or lost pretty li- miserably, but they, uh, they, <laughs> they were playing. Cole McCoy, I think Cole McCoy's actually been quarterbacking them for like the last two or three weeks. Has he? Yeah, because uh, Murray's been out with injury, and I believe Colt won the first game and lost the last two. Okay. So, you know, there's another Browns quarterback out there on the market somewhere. <laughs> I just, you know, until we played them this year, I didn't even know he was still in, in football. But uh, he is. Honestly, I didn't either. But uh, they say he does a really good job helping coach that. Right. Uh, he's like a player. He's like a player coach is what they call him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Browns were notorious for bringing in those guys for years upon oh, years. Oh, yeah. Well, they even brought in Eagle back to Bernie Kosar. And they brought in Gary Danielson, who basically was retired out of Miami. And he came in and he helped Bernie until he broke his leg during the game. And Bernie took over. And that was it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, that was a little before, before a little, a little before your time, son. Uh, and, and what do you think about Cam Newton coming in today? Uh, a running touchdown, a, a, a passing touchdown, and 34 points total beating Arizona. Arizona only had one loss going into that game. Yes, yes. I was actually shocked about that because I wasn't sure how much of the playbook he was actually going to know. But Because um, it's a totally different system in Carolina now than was in Carolina when he was there. And they actually played his old coach, from what I believe. I believe, didn't they play Washington? Yeah. Um, no, no, played, no, Carolina, Carolina played Arizona. Oh, Carolina played Arizona. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so Cam Newton came in there, and he was the old Cam Newton. He was running the football. I think he scored a touchdown. Um, his first touchdown back there, he ran it in and yeah. said, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he yelled, I'm home. Is that what he said? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and he had a great game, you know, and that, that could just be the emotion of the city and everything. But Carolina's got a, a, a rather good defense that people, it's very underrated, but it's they, but they their quarterback, a good defense. Their quarterback sure wasn't overrated. Oh, uh, it's underrated. Sam Darnold. I, I mean, I, I was shocked 
that uh, that Sam Darnold started off the season like three and zero, and then he of course he goes down. I mean, he did the same thing for the Jets for years, um, but but then. You know, he, he gets hurt, and they're like, oh, he's going to be out five or six weeks. And Cam Newton's been sitting on the market since the beginning of the year. He has. He was released by what, what Belichick. Yes, yes. I think that had to do with part of not being vaccinated. But uh, he came out and said that uh, he, he was vaccinated. He did. And but then uh, so did Aaron, he did. Then so did Aaron Rodgers, though. I, uh, honestly, I don't even know how that game ended. Um, the last time I saw it was like three to nothing. Of, of which one? The, the Green Bay. Green Bay, today. Seattle. With, uh, the final is uh, Green Bay 17, Seattle 0. Okay, so it uh, looks like Green Bay's defense showed up to play. I did see, I saw a couple drives of that flipping through, and I had to run out for a little bit. But, yeah, I did see Green Bay's defense uh, giving Russell Wilson a heck of a time. Now Russell Wilson's been out too. Yeah, this is his first game back, and I—I I mean, he—he—he's back a week or two early than anybody else who returned from that injury. So was he really a hundred percent, or did they just need him that bad? Well, I think you probably hit it right there. You probably needed him that bad. Yeah, because they were. Uh, except they were that they, having, except that they, uh, except they didn't get any points at all. So you know, what, would it have hurt to let them let him? Have another week or so out. Right, right. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's better to have, you know, it's like Baker, you know. Is an 80% Baker better than 100% Case Keenum? Honestly, I can't even answer that question at this moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, Keenum came in the game, and I think within that first drive, he got sacked twice. Yeah. But they were horrible on third down. Absolutely horrible. Did they have any? Did they have any third downs? Go for a Um, first down. They didn't have any in the first half. I I I think they might have had one. I I mean, there's times that they got it on the second down, but being a third and whatever in the first half, I don't think they got any. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about what do you think about Pittsburgh and Detroit? Well, I you know. Me being the Browns fan I am, was hoping the Steelers were going to lose. But some way, somehow, <laughs> Detroit still, you know, they don't lose, but they don't win. They end up in a tie. You know, I just, I really, I was really rooting for Detroit because they had the ball with like two minutes left. And I thought they were going to go down the field and maybe just kick a field goal to win a game, you know. And... Pittsburgh's defense doesn't allow it, and then they get the ball first at, 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 in overtime, and then they don't do anything with it. Now, obviously, nobody did anything with it, but right. Ben didn't play for Pittsburgh. So, I mean, it really, it's a win for them for not losing. Right, right. I guess. And, and, but now the Browns have to go into next next week playing Detroit. Yeah, and you know what? Something always bothers me, playing a team that hasn't won a game yet. Especially yeah, you know especially this late in the win. season. They're so desperate. Yes. But I would say we have to be pretty desperate at this point, too. We have to get, the Browns have to get consistent. Uh, yes, they, can, they, they need to be, uh, I mean, they need to win games in a row. That's something that they're not doing. Yeah. They're winning a game here, losing a game. Winning a game, losing a game. Well, uh, yeah, they're five and five. They're five. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and they're last place in the division. Because even though Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's five and four, 
but they have that, you know, they have that tie now. So just because they have that tie, they're above the Browns. So now here we are at the bottom of the division again. Now, I said that they had a good year last year, and I really was behind them going into this year. And I understand injuries, but all these teams are banged up. I mean, Baltimore is probably one of the most banged up teams that there is. But they're sitting at 6-3. and three. And, sit, and looking like the team that nobody thought was going to be there. Now, Lamar Jackson has done all of the work for that. Yes. If he goes down, they have nothing. I mean, oh, they have defense. Okay. They have defense, but they have nothing. Well, they also have Justin Tucker, who's uh, won a few games for them this year. Okay. By last minute field goals. Um, I mean, he's the one. He's the guy who had what he kick a sixty-seven yarder earlier this year, or sixty-eight yarder to set the record. Yeah. So they can rely on their quarterback I mean, and their kicker. As, as, as sad as as sad as it is, if we could have won today, we'd actually been in second place in this division by losing. We're in last place by ourselves. Yes. Yes. <laughs> After you come in and beat up Cincinnati last week. Yeah. You know, and New England beat you up really good today. And they, but, didn't, they didn't let off. They kept going. But this was our division. Baltimore, 6-3. and three. They lost their last game. Pittsburgh is 5-3-1. and one. They tied their last game. Cincinnati is 5-4. and four. They lost their last two games. And Cleveland is 5-5, five and five and they lost their last game. Yes. So, and right now, you know, this is a, it's a big stretch of football right here. This is the last stretch. You know, you're at the halfway point now. And now we've got our division. We've got, we've got, uh, uh, two, you got two we, games against Baltimore, uh, a game against the Steelers and a game against Cincinnati. And, and yeah. one game against, uh, against, uh, the, 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 the Detroit. Yes. Yes. You got so Detroit that's what, that's what we got left, week. but we got Detroit and whatever that, that, Really should be a win, but the rest of the way, it's it's we're just beating each other up, and that's what our division is doing. Uh, do you think that this division is going to have a wild card team come out of here as good as this? Let's face it, this is a good tough division. Yes, yes, it's a, it's probably one of the most evenly di- distributed divisions in football. Uh, you have each team is equally as good as the next one. You know, I think you're going to see some teams that aren't as good make it into playoffs because we're busy beating each other up. Yes, yes. So you'll have the. But, but that's also you. You also have to look at all these teams. They got to put wins together. It's not about winning just one game. You have to win multiple games in a row. Right. I mean, you're going to have to have the AFC is so strong. They're the teams are so even. Every team in the AFC has at least two losses. So yes. So you're looking at, you know, to where the NFC, you know, the 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 wild what the last wild card team in the NFC is probably going to have a losing record. Yes. In the AFC, you're probably you're you're probably going to have somebody with a winning record going home. Oh, I, I, I think most definitely. I think most definitely because they did they expand the playoffs. Um, they they expanded I, to seven teams. So to, okay, okay. So, because your first, you know, your your first round, each team gets a, you know, the high seed gets the first round by. Right. So, uh, I mean, you just look at, you know, you're going up against teams like the Chargers and who, you know, at time looked like a really good team 
but at other times they look like you know San Diego instead of LA mm-hmm. you know and then you know you, you have Oakland who <laughs> that team has just been through so much this year the Raiders, and, they, yeah. and, and, and they're still they're still out there fighting every game yeah they got the Sunday night game tonight so they're on there with uh Oh, I forgot who it was. Let me see. Hang on a second. They're on with uh, Las Vegas Raiders playing Kansas City. Yeah, and, and Kansas and, City has really struggled. Yeah, they. I, I think their problems stem from offensive line. Um, the, the their offensive line is not the same as it has been. I mean, they had uh, you know former Brown Mitchell Schwartz who went there. You know who retired early. Yeah, and then. Uh, they just what happened to them is what happens to a lot of teams I mean you can only be good for so long Um, those kind of teams just kind of you know they run while they can you know and then once people figure them out you know and it's Andy Reid Andy Reid's been a great coach in the NFL but Andy Reid has never liked to run and that's what they really kind of need to do more of and he didn't like it in, in Philadelphia either no, no, and and he had a, he had, you know, he had this. If you if you, I think Patrick Mahomes is a little bit better than he had with Donovan McNabb back in Philly. Yeah, but uh, they're pretty much the same kind of quarterback. They can both roll. They can both throw. They both have really strong arms. Um, but are they going to beat the Raiders? I mean, the Raiders are what six and three, I think, and the. Kansas City's five and four. Uh, the Raiders are five and three, and Kansas City's five and four. So okay. the Raiders had a bye week there, but you know they lost their coach. They lost one of their star wide receivers. They lost one of their star cornerbacks. You know it's just been through so much, and then they're still out there fighting every game. So I, I give them that, but I guess that's kind of like the Oakland Raider way. Yeah, I guess it is. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. That is the the old. Oakland Raider way, even though even though they're in Vegas, maybe. Yeah, I mean they're still owned by you know by the Davis family, yeah. Yes, and they kind of always had the same thing, you know. They kind of like those bad boy tough guys, you know. And occasionally they have a, a really good year, and you know, I, I I think that they, you know, back when uh, they played Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game, and they made him fumble, and then they. Uh, took it back from Oakland and gave it back to New England and all of a sudden they created that tuck rule, you know, the Tom Brady rule. Uh, but that was the last time that they were, you know, really worth anything. And yeah. now, I mean, you're talking 13 years ago and they're kind of like the Browns. You don't know what team you're going to get what we week in and week out. Yeah. Well, we've got, we know what we've got coming forward. We've got, uh, um, well, I don't even want to say it's a breather the way we played this game, but we do have Detroit. And, again, that always scares me, playing a team that hasn't won a game in the year, especially this late in the season, because they start getting desperate. And people can get hurt. And, uh, you know, I, I guess before we, we we sign off here, it seems like it's been a tremendous, uh, far more injuries than, than normal. And I always kind of, uh, Captain Bill doesn't agree with me, but I was kind of attributed to the fact that, Went from four uh, preseason games to three preseason games, and nobody, none of the, almost none of the starters played in any of the preseason games. No, and and uh, 
I believe that, you know, that little bit of time that you play in the preseason, it kind of gets you ready for the season. Um, I mean, cause, I don't think they go into too much detail with the game plan no, like they do during no. a regular season. No, but but, but uh, there's a difference. I mean, you played the game. There's a difference between in, being in shape and being in football shape, is there not? Yes, there's a huge difference. And uh, uh, another reason why I think a lot of players are hurt is because they've been coming into camp not ready. They, you know, uh, they're, they're not training correctly. Um, to the part to where, you know, when you're tired, you have more chance of getting hurt. Right, um, right. You, you, you're playing exhausted. You can hardly breathe. It, 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 something could go wrong a- anywhere. You could move wrong. You could, you know, take the wrong step. And it, it, and it could cost you, you know, a year. It could cost you six months. Yeah. It, I think it all has to do with, Everything that happened last year, having the COVID year of football, and then, you know, with all the things, you know, even today, like the the Browns were down, you know, three running backs. Yes. They literally had one guy running the football. Yes. Um, They did not share carries with any other running backs. Right. Uh, I mean, I think Stan had one carry for zero yards. But that was when they were down close by the end zone. But, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with not being in proper shape. Okay. Well, I guess that's going to do it. I guess we'll have to see what happens next Sunday. And uh, thanks so much for being here on Sports Sidebar. I thanks appreciate it, me. and I appreciate your insight. As many We usually talk a couple times a week about sports, and uh, it's always, it's always a, a highlight of my day whenever we do. Yes, I like it, too. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. And uh, as you can tell, what a thrill it was for me to have both my sons here with me on this program of Sports Sidebar. I really enjoyed it, had a super time. Hey, and I learned something. I hope you did too. Uh, Next time we all get together, I think I'm just going to connect this all in. We're going to have a a conference call, and this will be a free-for-all on our sports next time we get the three of us together here on Sports Sidebar. But... Captain Bill will be gone. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll be all look, looking forward to that as well. Hey, just a quick update on uh, cornerback Troy Hill, who was hurt. He was released from the hospital after scary collision late in the Patriots' loss. Cleveland Browns cornerback Troy Hill. This is by Ryan Young. Cleveland Browns cornerback Troy Hill has movement in his extremities after he was taken to the hospital late in the 45-7 loss to New England Patriots on Sunday. It was immobilized and stretched off the field, stretchered off the field at Gillette Stadium after hitting his head while trying to make a tackle late in the fourth quarter. Hill was trying to tackle his Patriots receiver Jacoby Myers in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, although Myers got past him into the end zone for 11-yard touchdown, which sealed, sealed the 38-point win. Hill's head made direct contact with Myers. He remained down on the ground for several minutes, and he was immobilized and stretched off the field to a near by hospital. Thankfully, the Browns had good news to share on Monday as Hill was diagnosed with a cervical neck sprain and released from the hospital Sunday night. He's cleared to travel back to Cleveland and is scheduled to do so on Monday. Hill had five tackles in the loss. 30-year-old has 41 total tackles on the season. His first with Cleveland after a five-year stretch with the Los Angeles Rams. He's in the first year of his two-year $9 million deal. That's going to do it. We're going to be back next week with uh, Captain Bill. But again, I want to thank uh, 
uh, both Dave and uh, and Bobby for being here, uh, being part of this very special, for me, very special sports sidebar. We'll see everyone else next week. <laughs>